Well, hey there. I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters, and I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who's been covering beauty, style, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all of the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll find the foremost experts to unearth what's new, what works, and even what you shouldn't waste your money on. I'm on the hunt for the latest and greatest discoveries and strategies to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Beauty is a Bitch. My guest today is Dr. David Kashan. He is a plastic and reconstructive surgeon based in New York who's trained at top hospitals in the U.S. He served as a chief resident in general surgery at SUNY Downstate Medical Center, where he had years of experience performing emergency trauma and cancer surgeries. This was followed by his three-year plastic surgery fellowship at the world-renowned Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. It was there that he performed countless reconstructive surgeries, including being part of the team for the youngest face transplant patient. He trained under the best in the world for facelifts, rhinoplasties, cosmetic and reconstructive breast surgeries, as well as body contouring. Hi, Dr. Kashan. How are you? Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here right now. Well, I'm excited to have you on because we are going to talk about some really interesting things. But first, let's talk a little bit about your background and training. I mean, I, I mentioned a little bit in the intro, but why don't you tell us a little bit more? Sure. So uh, like you said, I spent, uh, I did my general surgery residency at SUNY Downstate. Uh, it was heavily, heavily focused on obviously cancer-related surgery, emergency surgery, uh, a lot of trauma surgery. We did, um, we used to cover two level one trauma centers. So anything from gunshot wounds to stab wounds to car accidents. Um, and uh, it really, really was an absolutely amazing experience, uh, in part because the training was just amazing. My mentors were excellent. My colleagues were excellent. And uh, it was a well-oiled machine over there. Um, but, you know, at that time, I, I always thought, I love doing this, but I really like the, I got my plastics exposure probably during my medical school and then more so during my residency. And I got the bug and and really just wanted to get into the uh, aesthetic and reconstructive world. And uh, that's where Cleveland Clinic came in. And uh, honestly, it was probably the best decision I ever made. Uh, really, the the people there from the nursing staff to the doctors to really everyone that works there is unbelievable, top notch. And I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So I really appreciate my time at, at uh, both there and SUNY Downstate. That's awesome. Uh, I know Cleveland Clinic, unfortunately, too well, um, but it's a great hospital. So what procedures do you love doing most? It's a great question. And I get asked that very often. And, I, you know, I, I've come up with a list that I think is my top three favorite. Okay. Um, if we're going top to bottom, uh, I'm going to say uh, definitely anything related to eyelids, uh, in part because I think it's a relatively quick surgery that really, really changes the appearance of your face. It can take you from this tired kind of look where people just say, I don't know what you had done, but you look much more refreshed. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two has got to be facelift and neck lift, which is, 
it makes sense because that's probably what I spent most of my time doing, uh, training under one of the best facelift surgeons on the planet, uh, Dr. James Zins. And, um, you know, to me, there's a, a huge uh, negative stigma that surrounds facelifts. And I think that has to do with the old style of facelift looking overdone and, and really just focusing too much on only pulling the skin tight as opposed to addressing each layer in the face. Um, I personally do uh, fat grafting with all my facelifts. So I think that adds an extra element and really helps you maintain a more natural, youthful look to it as opposed to that kind of pull tight overdone look. And then the third one, which is kind of the, the uh, I would say the oddball of the three is I love doing breast augmentations. Um, something about it, I think it's, uh, there's something to be said about the fact that it's a, obviously all our surgeries are sterile, but it's just an overly sterile procedure in a great way. And it's a quick procedure and it really drastically improves someone's confidence overnight. Um, and I think the transformations I've seen from that are, are just unbelievable. You know, people that were even just bullied growing up because they had smaller breasts or didn't like the shape of their breasts. And then all of a sudden they've come and say, I feel so much more comfortable in my skin going out and doing all their daily activities. It, it, it really kind of has, that's why I rank it in my top three right now. Oh, that makes sense. Anything that helps somebody feel better about themselves. Um, all right. You ready for my next question? Let's go. All right. We're going to talk about the elephant in the room or what everybody is talking about. And that's Madonna's face. So yeah. what do you think she had done? So this is obviously all speculation. I'm actually looking at a picture of her side by side, her younger version of her probably from 20 years ago. And then her... Mm -hmm you know, her most recent picture. And I'm, I'm going to go top to bottom on her, on her face. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, she's had a lot, huh? Okay. I, I, you know, it, it's hard. Again, this is, this is just my professional opinion, but right, at the very right. least, let's start with Botox. Um, she really has no wrinkles on her face. It's completely smooth, um, which is usually a good thing. You know, some people want that. I, I think it might be a little too much because you know, when you look at different expressions of her, different angles of her, she really has almost no facial expression, especially in her forehead. And to me, it, I think the goal is to make it look smooth, but still be able to move a little bit and still maintain some of that natural appearance. And to me, she right. she might have wanted a more frozen look, but she definitely some people do. Some do. Yes. Some like that. Yeah. Um, if you look at her eyebrows, too. You know, it could be from the Botox. It could be the now that she kind of actually just kind of tweezed her eyebrows in a way to angle them a little bit more. Or it's possible that she had even just a, a, a brow lift where she pulled up the tail ends of her uh, eyebrows. It, that That's a little harder to say. Uh, obviously, you would never be able to see that scar. But I definitely think she did something to pull up her eyebrows other than just Botox, if I had to guess. And that, that's been a huge fad in plastic surgery recently. Uh, people call it the fox eye or um, people are doing it with thread lifts. There's a lot of different ways to achieve that same goal. But I, I think it, it looks a little pulled up to me, at least on the lateral aspect. Okay. Now let's go to the real elephant is, is her mid face, her cheeks, uh, around her mouth, her jawline. Um, you know, I, I, to me, I think her cheeks look overfilled um, almost to the point that it makes her look a little heavier than she actually is. Um, right. And I think like this puffy, is the right. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's the concern people have when it comes to fillers, right? They see this kind of result and they get scared that this is what they're going to look like. To me, I think this is, this is the result of too much filler. Uh, too much filler and potentially someone that may or may not have benefited from a facelift and they kind of tried to compensate by just overfilling. Um, okay. And to kind of take it down to her jawline, you can see even her, her jaw just seems a little bit wider. I don't know if it's, you know, again, filler in her jawline that just made her look a little bit more masculine. Um, you know, those are all things that had she done a procedure or something surgical, she probably would have been able to avoid some of those uh, more obvious, uh, we'll call it plumping of her face. Mm-hmm. Um, and and outside, outside of that, you know, everything else, it, it's hard to tell if she had anything done to her eyes. Could she have put a little filler under there? Of course. Uh, could it just be makeup? You know, that's also possible. And, and you know, I t- and just to kind of throw it in there, I'm going to say she also had lip filler. If you look at her before and after, usually over time, your lips don't get more plump. Uh, they thin out her- as you age, right? Exactly. Right. right. In her case, she actually has, uh, if you really look at her upper lip, it's bigger than it's ever been, even when you compare her to, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So I think... Uh, I think at the very least, she also had some lip filler as well. Well, okay. So, I mean, we all know um, Madonna is the master of changing herself, her appearance. And I personally am of the belief that a woman or man should do whatever they want that makes them feel comfortable in their own skin. So if she likes it, great. You know, Um, but she said... And I quote, I have never apologized for any of the creative choices I've made, nor the way I look or dress, and I'm not going to start. I've been degraded by the media since the beginning of my career, but I understand that this is all a test and I'm happy to do the trailblazing so that all women behind me can have an easier time in the years to come. I mean, that brings up a good point. You know, I mean, everybody was very critical of the way she looked, um, you know, and whether I like it or not, it's not it's none of my business basically, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. everybody's talking about it. So why do you think everybody is freaking out about her? Uh, You know, whenever you're in the spotlight like that, especially someone like her that has been in the spotlight forever and and really kind of um, just a a natural beauty, right? You know, I think she's been an icon for God knows how many years now. I think 40. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people are going to speculate, you know, Again, I, I'm not saying I think she looks good, bad, ugly. I think personal preference, I, I don't like putting that much filler in someone's face. And I, I think some of the time, you know, people get a little carried away and don't know how to say no to their patients. You know, I wasn't there for their conversation of what they decided to do. But I think it's our obligation to say, hey, look, I think this might be a little too much. Why don't we start out a little bit more conservative and go from there? Now, what um, happens if a woman, like you want to make her happy. So let's say a woman or a man comes in and wants to do something and you're like, uh, I don't think that's going to look great. I mean, do you, have you turned somebody away because you don't want to do what they want or do you try sure. to? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, the, the most common thing I would say I turn them away for is uh, breast augmentation if they want to go too big. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think people are willing to do 
crazy things. Uh, to me, the maximum should be 800 cc's and and that's really pushing it. You know, my my average is 350 to 450 cc's and and I think that'll achieve a very nice full CD cup. And you know, the high the bigger the implants go, the bigger the complications and the more likely you're going to have complications. And I'm not just talking about infection. You know, you see these horror stories of people that had saline implants that they overfilled to 200 cc's and the skin looks see-through. It looks like the implant's about to fall out. And I have seen that before. Uh, in the emergency room, we've had patients come in from outside the country and literally the implant was hanging outside of their body. So, you know, it does happen. And I think people just don't hear about it as much as they should. Um, the other side of it that I hear a lot of is people that want to get overly liposuction. Um, you know, whether it's adding more fat to their butt um, or they just think that, you know, they've had liposuction three, four times, they want more. You know, I think those people you have to be very honest with that sometimes doing more liposuction is going to cause more harm than make you look better. Um, and, uh, you know, so to answer your question, yes, I turn down, I turn down people actually all the time. And sometimes it's someone that comes in that says, hey, I really want a facelift or neck lift or something along those lines. I'm like, you're not there yet. And I would hate to put you through a surgery for something that, yeah, you'll get a good result because you don't really need it. You might minimally need it, but I send them out to some colleagues, for example, for radio frequency microneedling. And I say, why don't you try that out first? See how you like it. And you may not want to go through this whole procedure with all this downtime. So I think a lot of it has to do with just managing expectations. What are your thoughts? And I'm asked this a lot on threading. The short answer is I don't love it. Um, I nice. myself used to do uh, silhouette lifts, which is a absorbable thread, um, which to me was the lesser uh, of two evils in the sense that worst case scenario it gets absorbed, it improves skin quality. It does add a, you know, you're looking at like a 20% improvement. It's got to be someone that, again, doesn't really need. Um, a facelift, but is kind of in between and doesn't really want filler. That person, I've transitioned to sending them, like I said, to go get Morpheus or microneedling. I think, I think that really has changed my algorithm exponentially to not put a foreign body in their face, but rather just improve their collagen. And then I tell them, I'm like, look, in five, 10 years, we could always come back and rediscuss this and see what we could do without those threads. Now, personally, I don't like the permanent threads. I've taken them out of people I've done facelifts on and they just cause a lot of damage. And it's, I just don't believe in putting something permanent in your face. Okay. Now do the, do the temporary threads, do they really dissolve? I mean, do they leave anything? I mean, is anything really completely dissolve? I mean, I, I, again, as far as I know, yes, they do. I mean, they're, they're dissolvable by their compound makeup. Um, I'm trying to think. I think there's uh, one specific patient that I went back on uh, years after she had silhouettes. And I can tell you, I didn't see any of the silhouettes in there, but you could tell that there was scarring where the silhouettes were. So maybe the thread itself wasn't there, but every time you pass a needle or anything under the skin, you're going to cause scarring. So okay. I think it is getting absorbed. The question is how quickly they say anywhere from one to two years. You know, it's interesting. You said you got like a 20% improvement because I did get it done years. Mm -hmm. Well, probably like five years ago. And I would mm -hmm. say that's about what I saw. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's only good to a point. And I think if 
you're younger and your neck is starting to go maybe, but if you're older, I think it's not really, I don't think, I don't think, and there's like, and then I have people ask me what cream I recommend. I'm like, you know, it's not, if you're looking for a tighter neck, it's not really going to help. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll give a shout out to one of my, my good friends, uh, at revision Lily. Uh, I actually love their skincare line specifically for, uh, so do I. I yeah. love that's what the Necti firm, right? Yeah, Necti firm, exactly. See, I know my, I know my revision. Yep. And I if like I their- and if I if I could say anything about it, look, I I really love theirs. I think Skin Medica makes great stuff. I think Skin Suticals, but the one thing I think that they've done that is great from even just a marketing standpoint is they've made it simple for the consumer to know what you're purchasing, right? I think you if you make the name too complicated, people don't know what to use it for. It gets mixed in this. Uh, um, regimen of 10 different creams. But the truth of the matter is it says Nectifirm, you put it on your neck. It says body firm, you put it on your body. It, it simplifies the process. So kind of a no brainer, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what happens? So if a potential patient won't listen to your advice, mm-hmm. like, do you, you just tell them to take a height? I mean, like, what do you do? Oh, uh, in a nicer way. <laughs> I <road>. think <laughs> Look, I, you know, sometimes I just tell them, I'm like, I don't think I could achieve the goals you're looking for. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's a good time to get a second opinion from someone else. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think um, you have to know your limitations. And sometimes, uh, you know, like anything else, patients need to hear it from multiple people. How many times has someone gone to an orthopedic surgeon because they broke a bone and one surgeon tells them, hey, you need this big surgery. The other one says, oh, I think we can watch it. Um, you know, sometimes you need multiple opinions to really mentally prepare for what the right answer is or what will get you the best result. Okay. Um, okay. So let's, let's, I, I'm going to go back to Madonna. Like, what would mm-hmm. you, what would you have done? Like, would you, would you have done that first of all? Like what? No, I don't think so. I it's it's just to me it's just too much filler. You know, her cheeks just it almost makes it look like her folds around her mouth are worsened because of how much they put in her cheeks. You know, they they've overfilled the cheek and it kind of pushed out um the folds around her mouth. So I I really don't love that. One of the things I absolutely love to do. So someone that needs a lot of filler, for example, and when I say need wants filler, has lost volume over time, not really a facelift candidate per se, has already tried Morpheus, maybe has tried fillers, loves the results. I actually love talking to them about facial fat grafting. Um, I think in general, you can take someone else's, sorry, not someone else. You can take someone's (laughs) fat, purify it. We can't take someone else's fat and purify it. That's (laughs) gross. But you take their fat, you purify it down. And the truth of the matter is, Let's say for cheeks, I put in maximum one syringe per side, maximum. Uh, You can put in almost triple, quadruple that amount of fat, and it will not look overfilled. It improves skin quality. It has growth factors in it. It's your own fat, so your body absorbs it. You're not putting in a foreign body. And it's more controllable in the sense that with fillers, you're limited to, you could only inject it in certain layers where it's safe. Fat, you don't have that limitation. Oh, so okay. I, so I can I can inject it on bone. I can inject it into the fat. I can inject it right under the skin, and that way you can contour things a little bit better. And so, you don't have that benefit with fillers. 
So do you think from looking like at Madonna, that is not fat grafting, that is filler? You think, yeah, or that, is there- that looks that looks like filler to me. Can you tell I, the difference? Can you tell the difference when you look at someone? I think you could just tell when someone's been overfilled. Right. I think it's very hard to tell between good filler and good fat grafting if it's someone that doesn't really need a tremendous amount of fat grafting. I think if we're talking about someone that just wants a little bit more of a prominent cheek and has a little bit about a fold around their mouth, you could get a good result either way. It's someone that's a little further along that needs a little bit more than just one syringe maybe even more than two syringes that you're like, okay, let's start talking about fat instead of filler. And you know, it's, it's essentially permanent. You gain and lose the fat the way you would gain and lose fat anywhere else. And people like the idea of not having to come back once every six months, 12 months to get filler. And it's a kind of a one and done. Sometimes people get two rounds of fat grafting, but you know, it's better in my mind than having to constantly come back and and get, so it, uh, it lasts longer then it doesn't because uh, it's your own fat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your body, once your body accepts it, it accepts it. And, uh, for anyone that's ever come to my office and asked me for under eye filler, uh, they would have heard this speech. I actually hate under eye filler. I think, um, you know, there's a very select few people that look good with it or that could benefit it. But the problem that I've noticed is people are getting under eye filler. The first time looks okay. By the time they're sec two, three times out, the drainage of the skin in that area isn't great. And they actually get more puffiness as a result of it. Whereas fat, again, bypasses that issue. So uh, that's one thing I, I'm, I think will eventually go out of style, hopefully. And people will lean more towards not putting under eye filler. So do you think then somebody that's thinking about filler should discuss doing fat grafting? Just for, for, uh, for many reasons. One, it looks better. Two, it lasts longer. Uh, it's going to come down to, I'm going to say, age and skin quality as well as experience. And when I mean experience, someone that uh, has already had fillers knows they like the result of it. And kind of we, what we get is like filler fatigue. They don't want to keep coming back. They're like, I like the result. Can we do something more permanent? Or if it's someone a little bit older, the skin quality may not be as good that we know we need to use uh, a little bit more. But, you know, I, I still do a lot of fillers. I just, I think it depends. You know, that's why the, that consultation matters so much. You got to tailor it to the person that's sitting in front of you. So what, what if, well, here's the thing, like what I'm, I want to ask you what you would have done to Madonna, but I'm knowing what I know about her which I feel like I know her because mm-hmm. I've been listening to her music since I was in high school, but um, I'm just kidding. But I, something tells me she probably had a preconceived notion of what she wanted. She's artistic. She probably knows how she wants. Like what I prop, she probably found a doctor that was going to listen to what she wanted. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I mean, so if like you said no to her, she's going to go find another, which I know yeah. people do all the time. They, you're going to just shop around until you find the one that, as they're going to do what you want to do. But so let's take that out of the equation. She probably did what this because she wanted to. She and I pray that she loves the results and that she's happy. But what would you have done? Like what would you have wanted to do? Yeah, to a 60, a, she's what, 62? 63? Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to tell without seeing the before picture right before, but if I had to guess, she probably would have been a candidate most likely for a facelift in some format with fat grafting. Uh, you know, if they needed to really use that much filler to get to that point. 
Um, and, and to kind of go over what you were saying when I'm talking to the residents that we train and fellows, and we talk about this all the time, I say, you know, it, it's very, very tough to turn down someone that's coming in and wants to spend money with you, right? Very tough, Yeah. right? Especially yeah. when you've been through 20 years of training of not making, you know, really any money and you have all this debt and all this stuff and, you know, you're going to be tempted. It's hard, right? She walks into the office. She's like, I want to spend $50,000 on filler. It could pay off half your debt or whatever it is. It's, it's tough to turn that down. But the, the other end of it is I tell them like, look, if the result isn't good, they're going to be a billboard either way. They're either going to walk around and everyone's going to be like, wow, who did your work? I want that same person. Or it could be the opposite effect. Right. And you got to keep that in mind. That's your calling card. Right. Yeah. Right. So how do you approach facial aging? For Sorry, for facial aging, you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, I, I always like to go, I whenever I talk to everyone about facial aging, after I see you, we kind of see what the concerns are, right? Sometimes my what I think can be fixed, you want actually something different. Maybe just the eyes bother someone. Maybe it's everything they, they can really. So I sit down and I say, what are the things that really bother you the most about your face? Once we get that out of the way, I like to know what you've done already, right? Have you done uh, skincare treatments? Do you use sunscreen? Are you using a vitamin C, a retinoid, any of those things? And then it's kind of, we talk about where can we go from there? I usually start with the most least invasive. So that's kind of our filler, Botox, uh, microneedling regimens with skincare. And then I, I slowly taper it up to, this is what I think percentage-wise improvement you'll get with these. I think we could get a medium or good result with this. Or if you want kind of more of a home run result, then we got to talk about X, Y, and Z. Some people can get a home run result with just Botox and fillers. I think it just really depends on what they're looking for. So it's on a it's on a case by case basis, too. One hundred percent, and, and yeah. also their threshold of what they're willing to do. Exactly, and, yeah, and probably someone, it, pay for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, it comes down to a lot of things, and yeah. you know, some people are like, "I'm my," you know, my daughter's getting married in a few weeks. You know, that's not someone that I'd say, "Okay, let's rush you in for a quick facelift." But you know, maybe we could do a little Botox, a little filler, just to make you look a little bit more refreshed. And you know, the chances of bruising are always there, but by two weeks out, you should be okay. Yeah, we're, that that just goes to anybody listening. If you have a child getting married and you want to do something, probably give more than two to three weeks. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Remember, Botox takes at least two weeks to kick in. Uh, right. If it's a if it's a special occasion, I always tell people at least do it a month out. So if we ever need to add a little bit more, any little tweakings, we could always have you come back two weeks later, touch it up real quick. So you're perfect for the pictures and everything like that. Yeah, definitely don't come exactly two weeks before the event, yeah. please. Probably not a good idea. No, it's not. Um, I agree. So what do you say to patients who are scared of being overfilled or frozen? Personally, I one of the things I always mention is I've never been accused of overfilling someone or freezing them. Um, unless someone specifically asked me for a frozen look, yes, I will do it. Uh, because that's just the style. I think as long as it doesn't affect them uh, in terms of functionality, I'm okay with it, right? Some people just want that. Uh, my personal preference is to keep it natural and still have it so you can move your eyebrows a little bit, still show some facial expression. Uh, you know, a lot of people hate their crow's feet. I actually think it's an endearing uh, look on people. It shows, uh, it shows emotion. Um, but, you know, I, I'll try to just soften those things. 
Uh, when it comes to overfilling, on the other hand, I, you know, I, I think that that's where I really regulate people. I always tell everyone, for example, for lips, I won't inject more than two syringes in one sitting. That's my maximum, you know, and, and the same really goes for cheek, uh, folds. Really, two, two is my maximum in any given area uh, in one sitting. And I say, look, let's see, let's see how it is. Come back in two weeks. Let everything settle down. If we need to add more, if it's reasonable to add more, we could talk about it then. There's no rush. So do do you find that those people do they come back and get more or yeah, yeah yeah I think I think more more often than not what happens is especially with people that have never had it done before uh they tend to be a little bit more timid and they're scared because they've seen all the horror stories so they're saying well I don't want to look like duck lips I don't want to have this overdone look and they actually right. limit the amount I could put into them so right. I'll say you need a syringe of filler they're like well let's start with half a syringe and go from there and it's always the same story. It's always, you're going to love the way it looks the day or two after when it gets really swollen. And then you're going to be back in two weeks asking to put more in. And that and almost they? always and happens. The, oh, really? And they come back. Yeah, yeah they it's always come a, back. Yeah. Well, you know, it's better to err on the side of caution, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Okay, so what, what else should we talk about when it comes to women and aging and what they can do? Um, I think... I think one of the most important things, it's not really what they can do, but also make sure they're doing it for the right reasons. Okay. Uh, a lot of the time we, we have some patients come in and they say, oh, my boyfriend said they want to pay for something, my husband or my wife wants to pay, makes me do something. But you could tell that they're really not into it. Um, one of the things when it comes to surgery, if you're not happy going into it, you're really not going to be happy coming out of it. And I think that applies to any up and coming surgeon. I think that applies to anyone that is in that position, right? Don't, don't just do something because your partner wants you to do it. It really needs to be something that you want to do. Uh, the other part of it is expectations. Um, can we fix, uh, you know, something on your face that is a perceived issue? Uh, I actually did a study with, um, a bunch of my mentors at Cleveland Clinic and, and uh, in combination with maxillofacial surgeons, and we were talking about body dysmorphia, specifically in facial aesthetics patients. And the one thing we concluded is it's a much higher rate than pretty much any other specialty. Really? Um, and and it's very, very yeah. underdiagnosed, right? Um, so for those that don't know what body dysmorphia, it's a, it's a potential perceived issue with a body uh, or your body that you think is glaringly obvious to everyone else, but in reality, it's very minimal, right? It could be as simple as a tiny, imperceivable scar, as, and uh, more often than not, it's people that have issues with their nose. Uh, it could stem from being bullied as kids. It could be, um, you know, just so many different reasons. So I think those patients you really have to look out for because you don't want them to come in get a surgery and still be unhappy with themselves after you haven't, you haven't achieved anything there other than giving someone a, a surgery that they probably didn't need in the first place. Yeah. Especially when that's like mental, right? Yep. Yeah. And then as far as facial rejuvenation, I think the best thing is preventative, right? Mm -hmm. Wear your sunscreen, use your vitamin C serum, uh, use your retinoid, uh, avoid tanning. Um, you know, it, it's not one thing that's a magic bullet. It's a, multifactorial thing. If you do all those things, at least sometimes 
you'll probably have a better result. You know, smoking is probably the worst thing you could do for your skin. Uh, one of the easiest things is drinking a lot. People forget that hydration improves skin quality. But you're saying um, water, not alcohol. Right? Water, water. <laughs> <Yes>. Don't <laughs> don't clear that up. Clear that up. Don't drinking don't a lot. Is not beer. No, no, no. More, the more water you drink, believe it or not, the better your skin will look. And, and that doesn't take a long time to see the results. You could do that for a week and you'll notice the results. Um, and you can tell the people that have followed that. You can tell who hasn't smoked before. Uh, they have less lines on their face. Their skin quality is better. Um, people that haven't been, you know, quote unquote, sun worshipers. Uh, they also, they, have a, they have, tend to have more wrinkles. The, the elasticity of their skin tends to be much poorer. Um, what, what about, okay. So like women in my age group in midlife, um, mm -hmm. so 20 year olds, right? Exactly. Thank you. We, okay. So I was brought up on, um, lots of sun, low SPF, um, uh, sometimes baby oil with, um, mm -hmm. a, uh, sun reflector. It was all oh. about my deep, dark tan. The worst. Uh, I, I know I smoked. Mm -hmm. I drank. I basically did everything horrible. Yeah. Basically. Well, I didn't mm -hmm. do drugs, but other than that, you know, I did some, you know, it was not good to my skin. I did not wear sunscreen. Um, is there coming back from that? Yes. Like, and I think you're, I think you're, you're the perfect spokesperson for that, right? <laughs> Looking at you, I don't know if I would say, wow, she's a smoker that spent all her time in the sun and you know did everything that you just said right oh, uh, well thank you okay yeah well, <laughs> well, well you asked and, and that's the truth right you right. you don't look like that person i wouldn't know looking at you hey by the way you did all those things and oh, i think yeah. that's partially that's oh, yeah. partially because of where you are now i think yeah. you take excellent care of yourself even as we're talking you probably drank water at least 20 I did. times i did uh, i did i drank but but i do that now um and you know i haven't had a cigarette and like 20 years. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, I'm, I'm concerned that I cause, you know, wrinkles there. And, you know, I do get some, um, I do BBL, not Brazilian butt lift, the other BBL mm -hmm. to get rid of the yeah, sun damage, light therapy. Mm -hmm. right? Light therapy. Um, you know, there are things that I do. I don't go crazy. Uh, but you know, yeah, I use vitamin C. I use a retinol. I, you know, moisture. I mean, I, I try to do the best that I can, but I didn't start from a great place. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I was behind the eight ball, so to speak, but I just but those wanted things are great. Well, those yeah. things are great. I mean, I believe like it's never too late. Like if you don't wear sunscreen, you haven't worn if you start today. Today's a new day. Wear it every day. You know, yes. um, even, even if it's cloudy out, I wear sunscreen. Um, I don't go near a window without sunscreen. Mm -hmm. Like I'm neurotic now. I went the other way. You, know? <laughs> you you're the you're the opposite extreme now i am, I am. And, and now if somebody comes around me smoking or i can tell they've smoked i'm like oh you know yeah. like i just i'm that person you know i wish i could say that for drinking but I yeah it quite happened yet but yeah I, look it's it is first of all we you can't no one is perfect it's impossible to not have any vices and to avoid the sun completely i'll be the first one to tell you you know i i love the sun i love i'll wear my sunscreen but I love the sun. Um, and I think the hardest part for people is um, the way I equate it is you don't just go to the gym one day and then all of a sudden come out with a six pack. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And the same applies to moisturizers, applies to everything you're talking about. 
it takes weeks, months, you know, consistency uh, to really achieve those results. And there's not any one like we talked about before. There's no magic bullet. Um, you know, you have to do multiple things to get the maximum results. And I, I, I think you are doing those things. And just by the things you've listed, that's pretty much everything I would recommend for the most part. So I think I think you're putting in more effort than you think you're putting in, and oh, you're well, probably I, putting in more effort than the majority of the world. At this point, I'm sure. Which is good. I'm sure I am because this is what I do. You know, I'm, yeah. I have access to a lot of this, but I like to share it. You know, obviously, yeah. but you know, I haven't I haven't done a lot with like you know plastic surgery or mm -hmm. you know I've done the thread lifts because I didn't like the neck or you know I've got the BBL light therapy because I didn't like the sunspots on my face from the mm -hmm. damage I did before. You know, there are things that I do and, you know, but vitamin C is accessible, is accessible, accessible by all. Yep. Same with a retinol, um, you know, there, sunscreen, anybody can buy sunscreen. I mean, there are things, drink water. I mean, we all have access to water. There, there are things that we can take control of, you 100%. know, and, and yeah, but we spend money on, on things all the time that don't benefit us things that we waste money on. And when it comes to self-care, I feel like sometimes we neglect ourselves and we just think, oh, well, why would I pay you know, $10 for sunscreen when I can go do X, Y, and Z? And I think, I think we have to focus more on, on that self-care and really taking care of our bodies. And it, it'll add to the longevity. And you know, both in appearance and function, 20 years from now, you want to, you know, you still want to look great. You still want to look young. You still want to be moving around. And, yeah. and that's where all of that comes in. Yeah. I want to be moving around and I want to, you know, I want to look the best I can for my age, yeah. um, you know, uh, and be in the best shape, you know, move. I, I think, I think have having watched my mother who was so beautiful, um, mm. until she wasn't, she just kind of one day gave up and that was it. And it was, it was a fast decline, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I, you know, I've seen it and I am now of the firm belief, use, move, use it or lose it, you know, like yeah. just gotta, especially as you get older. So this has been very interesting. I thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Um, you know, it's interesting because we live in a, we live in a society as proven by Madonna, where we judge so quickly. We've got, you know, social media, uh, TikTok, Instagram, women filtering, uh, you know, it, it's obvious that we're all becoming very insecure, mm -hmm. very judgmental. And, um, I just hope that we're kinder and that if, if you want to have plastic surgery, great. And if you don't, that's fine too. Right. Yeah. I mean, just as long as you're comfortable, but don't judge others for the for the decisions that they make for themselves. And that's why I looked at Madonna and I was like, okay, I don't particularly love it, but I think everybody's being really mean. <laughs> yeah, they are you know? they are being a yeah. they are being a little mean. The, the mean, truth is she looks great for her age she regardless. Looks, she looks phenomenal. She's a she's just an amazing woman and she will continue to be so at 63 and probably at 83, you know, we'll always be talking about Madonna. And that's yep. what she wants. You yeah. know? I mean, she wants us talking about her. Uh, <laughs> so we are, unfortunately, it just made me really sad as, as a woman in midlife to see another woman being raked over the coals for, yeah. you know, something that she might've loved until everybody went bananas on her. 
Madonna, if you're listening, we would love to talk to you directly. You just let us know. You're more than welcome to judge me. Don't worry about it. I know. I'll let you, I'll let I'll put up a picture of myself and you could tear me apart. I'd love to. I think that'd be amazing. But you did touch upon something that I think was a great point, which is Instagram and social media. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I think all too often people come in with pictures of who they want to look like. And it's a lot of the time it's these online influencers and it's clearly a photoshopped or yeah, they're filtered photo. photos. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's the thing not is, attainable. And well, it is, but you look weird. Like sometimes I'll be walking down the street, me judging someone, sorry, but, um, mm-hmm. I I've seen people that look like they're filtered in real life and it's mm-hmm. bizarre. It's very yeah. bizarre. It's just, you do a double take, you yeah. know? I, um, yeah, I agree. You know, and it's sad to me that, you know, there are now millennials and Gen Y and Z that are just not comfortable. It's clear they're not comfortable in their skin. And it's, it makes me really sad. And I yeah. think that social media is really a big contributor to that. Um, huge. Right. 100%. Yeah. 100%. It's, I mean- it's really sad to me. I just, I just want, I want for all women and men to be comfortable and just non-judgmental and just do what makes you happy and just, you know, but if somebody wants to walk around looking filtered in real life, you know, Hey, that that's, uh, that's fine. I just think they should be, I, I think my, you know, you've been very honest with what you've had done. And I think if you're going to be an influencer in especially the beauty space and you're not going to be honest about it, and that applies to people that are influencing in in the workout competition space. Um, there's been a lot of drama recently about uh, PDEs and, and people taking steroids and not admitting to it. I think if you're going to do those things, that's fine. That's up to you, but you should be honest about it. Absolutely. Don't walk around pretending yeah. like I did this with diet and exercise and I'm now all, you know, I gained 400 pounds of muscle. That's not fair. You should be honest. Make sure people know that what you're doing is achievable because of what you're doing. Not just it makes other, if you are saying that you achieve this naturally, it makes other people feel terrible, Yeah, you know, because like, I mean, look at these weight loss drugs right now that, Mm -hmm. you know, like half of Hollywood is taking, I mean. It just, I, I don't understand why people just can't be forthright about it, you know? Yeah, I, I actually, I don't, I just spoke with, um, with Dr. Uh, Batash. We actually just did a, 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 a talk about specifically that he does a lot of endoscopic weight loss and, and, uh, we were talking about Ozempic, mm-hmm. which is huge right now. Um, I think when used properly, it's an excellent drug why you know you can get someone that really is struggling trying to lose weight get them to a healthier weight point but you know like anything else it could get abused someone that probably needs to lose two five pounds ten pounds doesn't need that necessarily and i think people just are looking for a quick easy fix and there will eventually be someone that's willing to give it to them yeah i don't even care about that i mean Mm -hmm. personally i just wish that they would be Upfront up front about it, you yeah. know? Okay. So you want to lose 10 pounds and you take Ozempic. All right. I mean, but admit it, admit it. Right. You know, admit it. And no, don't make other people feel bad about themselves because 100%. they can't lose 10 pounds as quickly as you can. Well, yeah. there's a reason, you know, again, but- if you're, if you're going to be in that spotlight and specifically in that spotlight for that purpose, right. For beauty or for weight loss and all those things. And you're just not going to be 
uh, upfront about it, I, I think you're doing a disjustice to people. I think it's, you know, I don't want to call it lying, but it's lying it by is, omission. It's a sin of omission. Yeah, it's it's a lie. But it is. It is. Well, anyway, we could go on and on about that. I just, <laughs> you know, um, but I really appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Honestly, it's, it's been a great talk. I hope we could uh, we could do it again. We'll, uh, we'll find what, another topic. We'll yeah, find I'm interested else. to see uh, what your what your uh, listeners want us, who they want us to talk about next or analyze I, next. I just, feel, I just feel bad because, as I said, like I just aging is for many. It's not easy for most of us. It's not mm-hmm. easy. Um, and if she's happy, you know, who are we to judge? That's yeah. that's really my. My Again, if she's listening, we love you, Madonna. Of course. I've always loved Madonna. Are you kidding me? I, I used to wear those rubber bracelets in high school. I am like a huge Madonna fan. Always will be. Okay. Me thanks, too. everybody. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro-aging podcast bi-weekly, so please contact Lauren at fountainof30.com for sponsorship opportunities. Take care, everyone. And remember... Do whatever makes you feel good and look good. Take care, everybody. Bye.